It is a joy to once again be together on this special day when we remember the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd love to welcome you in a special way if you are joining us for the first time, but also I'm aware that some of you are joining us for the first time since we had locked down. And it's a joy to see your, first, your faces. It's, it's a joy to join together to sing songs of praise unto our God. Amen. I'd like to invite you this morning to a piece of scripture that we have just finished singing this evening from Luke chapter 2. It is silent night, holy night, and on the light, on the, one of the lines in that song we've just sung is saying that this is the dawn of the redeeming grace. You don't have to be a scientist to know that this year has been hard. We've been hearing news. And a lot of news that we've been hearing this year, in many ways, shape, or form, since March, has been bad news. But let's turn to the Word of God this morning and hear the good news as the angels would announce it to the most unlikely of men on the face of the earth. Stand with me in honor for the reading of God's Word as we read together from Luke chapter 2, from verse 1. We are told in Luke chapter 2, from verse 1, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Crinius, the governor of Syria, Crinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you 
good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us and when they went with they and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger and when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds taught them but Mary treasured up all the things pondering them in our hearts and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word amen let us bow our heads this morning asking the Lord to allow his word to work in our hearts and that we will approach it with joy and reverence let's pray our father our hearts rejoice in you knowing that you are God who is faithful you have loved us in spite of us you're the one who comes down to our level to bring us back to you as we approach your word this morning we we realize that our hearts tend to wonder we realize that there are many things that are able to move us from you so we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would lead and guide us into all truth may the gospel be heard May Christ be glorified, for it is Him we desire to worship. We desire to know Him. We desire to have Him as Lord and Savior. If there are some among us who do not know you, I pray that they too who see their worth in you, they will see your love, your glory, and your grace that they will draw nigh to you. 
For those who have been believers for quite some time, I pray that as we once again ponder on these things, we will treasure them in our hearts. We will recount of that which you have done to our loved ones, that we too, in return, may praise and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask and we pray. May God's people say amen. On this particular day, we remember of the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we have read from this passage this morning, I would like to just remind you that this day as we meet and we gather with all the controversies around it, may be likened to a birthday of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Now, I want you to reason in a moment for, for, for just for a few seconds. I want you to reason with me. If you were the king of the universe, one who made everything with your power and your might in six days by just speaking, Knowing of your glory, knowing of your status, what manner of men would you invite to the birthday of your child? What caliber of women, what caliber of men would you put on the invitation list? Or let's put it in the FBC context as we send out the link so that you can fill up, to fill up, to reserve a seat for your loved ones in the church. We're living in strange times, right? To whom will the link be sent to? Let's be honest, it will be to those who are in our WhatsApp groups. The people we know, the people who we treasure, the people we embrace, the people we regard to be so high and holy. And for the Messiah, as a key theme of the people of Jews, you would expect that the first people to be invited to the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, would be the rabbis, the teachers of the law, the priests. But as we come to this text, I want you to sit and wonder, see and worship, who are these shepherds who hear the first Christmas carols, who are even on the invitation list, Invited not by some man from the temple, invited by angelic beings, just like Mary and Elizabeth, as we saw last week, had received a visitation. Maybe you may say, Mary, because she was a virgin, she deserved it. Elizabeth, maybe because her husband was serving in the temple, somehow, somewhere, she fits the least. But this morning, I want us to pause and wonder once again and see this particular text of these shepherds. Listen, the Bible tells us in chapter 2, from verse 8, the Bible tells us that in the same region 
while the Messiah is born, verse 8 tells us, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, here are the four things I want us to run through as we look at this account. First, let's look at the reputation of these shepherds, their reputation among men, brothers and sisters. These were not men who were of high and holy caliber, as I have alluded to in my introduction. These were men who were unknown. These were men who were insignificant. Their life was marked with hardships. Their job, it was not a well-paying job. It was a job without glory, even with little recognition. Standing here, seeing these angels are men whose careers were not among us some of the careers that little babies in Jerusalem, if you'd ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? None of them would dare to say, I want to be a shepherd. Why? Because in society of Israel, such men were regarded as nobodies. Because by nature, their job, because it was full of hardships, they were poor men. They will live in the hills of Judea. And even as we have sung in some of the hymns, if you remember, and you see the lines of some of the carols we sung, they lived in the hills. And their workplace of these shepherds, their office was in those hills. Not because they were going for hiking. That was their office. And some of them would sleep there. They had no place to sleep. And at this particular time, remember in verse 1 to verse 7, we are told everyone is going to this particular place to register. And everything tells me, if you follow this narrative, that this man actually, even the government, was not even considering them to be among us the citizens worthy to be on the census roll. insignificant in the hills of Jerusalem in the hills of Bethlehem at, at this particular night the soil was rocky the hills and the mountains were rugged and treacherous the terrains were filled with wildlife and most likely scorpions thorns and thistles and these would be men who were regarded as outcasts amongst the religious people They were social outcasts. Their work, brothers and sisters, their work kept them away from the temple. Although they were keeping sheep that was meant to be sacrificed in the temple, but they themselves, before the eyes of men, they were regarded as nobodies. These are men who had no hope, no one, not even the religious elite cared for them. They were lost and they were denied. Any society privilege or responsibility. Such is the caliber of man, of men, on the invitation list by God. That is 
their reputation. Now you may be there and you wonder what is it that this has to deal with me, preacher? I'm glad you ask. Because where the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus, where it finds us, it does not find us in a space where we are high and holy seeking after God. You see, Christian, let me remind you that when God in his grace came to you through the message of the gospel to announce to you concerning the Savior of the universe, your reputation, your reputation was not good. We've gone through the book of Ephesians this year, and let me just remind you, in Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul tells us of our reputation. Listen to this. He says in verse 1, to say that you were dead in your trespasses, in your sins. That is our reputation. Paul will tell us in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. That is our reputation. What is our reputation? Romans chapter 8 verse 5. Our minds are hostile against God. We fight against Him. Our hearts, Jeremiah 17 verses 9 tells us, our hearts desperately wicked beyond cure. Our ways, we are prone to do evil. We are dull-witted, dead devils, disobedient and rebellious against a holy and a righteous God. Deceived. Deceived by the ruler of this age, Satan. We willfully serve him. We are doulos to the flesh. That's who we are. And we daily devote our lives to sin. Now when it comes to our reputation, that's who we are. Apart from the goodness of God. Apart from the grace of God. And this is who, Christian, we used to be. And to some of you, this is who you are. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Verse 3 to 7, and listen to this. To those who might be saying, but, but I'm not like that. I was born a nice child. I was born so good. I got A's in my academics. What are you saying? I'm not that bad. I, I, I haven't stolen. I haven't been a thief. I, I've, not even, I, I've not committed adultery. I've been faithful. I am a, a nice kid. Thank you. But I want you to know this. Nice people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven, not nice people. Why? Listen to what Paul says in Titus chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says. He says to us in verse 3, We ourselves, Paul tells us, We were once foolish. We were disobedient. Led astray. Slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were passing our days in malice and in envy. We hated by others and we were hating one another. Love verse 4. But 
When the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of the works that we have done in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us, Richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So it is in that state when these men had all this reputation. What is the second thing we see concerning these men? There is the revelation of the glory of God. Their reputation before people was not so good. Not so glorious. But the revelation from God. So glorious. We all have a reputation before God. You minus Jesus condemned. You minus Jesus punished. You minus Jesus object of God's wrath. John 3, 36 says that. But to those who do not believe in God, this is our reputation. The wrath of God remains on them still. And to these men, as they stood in those hills of Bethlehem, as they stood, maybe they were even waiting that these angels would strike them because they are men who are outcasts in the society. They are not even admitted before the temple. They are not even allowed to come to anything that appeared to be godly. But yet God would stoop down, condescend, and give the good news to these men. Let's hear the news from verse 9. The Bible tells us, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, rightly so. And the angel said to them, Fear not. You see, these men already know their reputation before people. And as they see and they behold this glorious sight, they know the only thing they deserve from a holy and a righteous God, they will not stand in his courts. Like Abihu and Abihu. Like Uzzah in the book of First Kings. Like Uzziah, who was struck with leprosy right in the courts of God. They knew before whom they were standing. They see the glory of God. And as they see this glory, they tremble. The splendor before their sight is all striking. But in the midst of their fear, they hear the saying to their ears, Listen to verse number 10. Fear not. Fear not. 
For behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people, not just for you, but for all people, not just you who are outcasts, not just you who are deserted and deserving to die, not just you who are poor and perceived as insignificant in the society. The good news. What is the object of this good news? Look at verse number 11. For unto you, unless maybe you may be thinking that maybe we are wrong, we are supposed to be sent in the temple. No, we are sent to you and this message is to you, not to the priests down the road, not to the temple keepers, no, to you the keepers of the sheep, unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a savior. Outcast, condemned, neglected. To such. The gospel comes. Can you see that? It's good news. That's what the angel is saying. I bring good news, not bad news. There's been a lot of bad news about you, concerning you, regarding you. But I bring good news to you. It is good news of great joy. Not just joy, not just happiness. Mm -mm. Great joy. Mega joy. It is, this is unspeakable joy, surpassing joy. This is abounding joy. This is joy that God lavishes on the outcasts. Grace to those who are running away from God. Can you see they are not seeking after God? They are not having a prayer time. Can you see that? They are, not, they are not having a kumbaya time singing about Jesus Christ. No, these are men in most likelihood at this particular time, if we may think of it in the 21st century, they would have cigarettes in their hands and they are smoking around fire. Maybe even recounting about how the day was in that state. They're saying to their ears, it's good news. And it's good news about the Savior, and He is the Savior for their soul. He is, he is one who has been promised of old. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. Look at verse number 11. He's born in the city of David. He is the one whom the book of Revelation tells us that He is the one who holds the keys of David. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the beginning and the end. Who is this one that the angels are announcing to these shepherds? Let's go to Isaiah quickly and listen to what Isaiah will tell us concerning this child. Isaiah chapter 9. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and verse number 7. 700 years before Jesus Christ came on the scene, Isaiah prophesied. 
Now I want you to look at the words of Isaiah in verse 6. Then I'll take you back to verse number 11. Listen to these words. Isaiah says, For unto us a son, a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's who this one is. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Verse 7, very important. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Isaiah says, unto us the child is born. The angels are coming and I want you to see what the angels are saying. The angels are saying, unto you is born today. The angels cannot say unto us because Christ did not come for the angels. He came for the sons of Adam who had fallen. Genesis chapter 3. The angels who marvel and they will see the great work of God in the gospel as God sends out his son. The angels too, they marvel at that sight and they can only point to us to say unto you is born in this day the savior but to you and I descendants of Adam our reputation that we deserve the wrath of the holy God we then will say like Isaiah unto us a child is born he's the king of the universe Everything that is happening right now, he knows it. COVID, part of his sovereign plan. Mm, it might sound like it's not. It is. Is he moved? No, he's not. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, he holds all things together by the power of his word. So, brothers and sisters, as these angels are coming with this message this is a fitting message to us this man their reputation is not that good but the revelation they receive is so glorious they are seeing these angels but it is in the message that the angels are bringing to this man that has the true revelation that they need it's not just the angels themselves Listen to this now. If our reputation before God was that we were men and women condemned to die, we needed a revelation of God in order for us to be redeemed and to be saved before God. And God reveals himself to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And the Lord also has revealed himself to us in his scriptures. Because the sun is the exact radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And he is the one who upholds the universe by the power of his word. And the Bible tells us that after making purification for sins, he then, the son, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. 
Why? Because the Bible continues to say in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 4, having become as much superior than the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The baby told to these shepherds is the savior of the world. Good news of great joy. If that does not bring joy to you, because this Savior who holds all things together holds your life. This is the one who says in, in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Any man who believes in me will never die. He's the one who says in John 14 verses 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Sir, I want you to know this. Acts 4 verse 12 tells me that salvation is found in no other name. For there is no other name given among men by which we might be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. That must give us joy not just in this life but we have hope undefiled unbreakable kept in heaven for us because he humbled himself came to our state and found us where we were and then look number three the response of these shepherds because after they receive this revelation, look, then their response, their response to the gospel is so gripping. They do not sit there, start mourning and weeping over their own sin. Look at their two actions, verse 15 to 16. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2. What do they do? When the angels went away from them into heaven, they say to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us they were not seeking for it it's the Lord who made it known to them it's the Lord who revealed it to them it's the Lord who brought about this revelation to them and look at their response then in verse 16 the Bible tells us they went in haste They did not say, let's wait, we'll go tomorrow when it's nice and early. No, no, they said, let's go now. If this is our agent, it is. If this is the good news you're talking about, let's go now. Let's go and see it for ourselves. They rushed. They responded so swiftly. They did not procrastinate. They did not wait for another day. They did not postpone the moment when they were told of the great news of great joy. May I pause there and ask you, as you hear about Christmas and the story that God loved you so much, as you have memorized that verse, John 3, verse 16, from Sunday school to now, that you can even talk and speak about that verse in your sleep. Has your heart 
responded to that gracious act of God to bring about the salvation of your soul. Do you respond or have you responded in haste? Or are you keeping it to say, no, for tomorrow, let me just have some nice time now. You are interrupting me. You are invading my space. This church thing, it's, it's old school. Young people would say that. Are you saying that? Let me enjoy later. Then I will think about this Jesus. Are you presuming on the mercies of God, even to some of the things that the Lord has revealed to you and is calling you to do, and you are thinking, no tomorrow. Let's push it for some few minutes. Look at these men. They knew their status. They got the revelation. But they responded. They rushed. And they did not just rush to see the baby, but as they behold the baby, they realize that this is not an only baby. This is the Savior. This is him the angels have been speaking about. He is the consummation of the prophecies from Old Testament. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The Alpha and the Omega, the one in whom the Father is well pleased. And they were there. Not only did they rush to see the child, but they recounted of that which the angels told them. Can you see that they became right away? They did not wait to go to a Bible school in order for them to tell about who the Savior is. No. They started right there and then telling everyone else who was there, do you know who this child is? As though the Lord had not announced to Mary and to Joseph. You remember we saw that last week in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Joseph was already told by God. Your wife will conceive. Matthew 1 verse 21. And she will give birth to a child. You shall name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph knew about it. Mary, you remember the wrestling that she had last week Sunday. We, we looked at her as well. She knew about it, but hearing it from men who were actually regarded to be insignificant, even their testimony was not counted in the court of law. They knew that this can only be of God. Lastly, what do we see? Let's look at verse number 20. The shepherds then returned. And as they are returning, what do we see in their returning? They are returning, they are returning, glorifying and praising God. Why? For all that they had heard and all that they had seen as it had been told to them. Amen. First John chapter 3 verses 1, the Bible says, Behold, what man of love has the Father showed to us that we should be called 
children of God. And so are we. The reason the world does not know him, nor trust him, is because they have not known him. But we know this. When he shall appear, we shall see him as he is. And on his return, on his first return, remember, only few people saw him. But let me remind you, on his second return, the Bible tells me that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every eye shall see him, even those who crucified him. The savior of Bethlehem, this baby of Bethlehem is the savior of the universe. On that day as he returns again in glory, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, even now as you go home, as you return, Christian, remember your reputation. You were without God. You were separated from God without hope in the world. But God in mercy has revealed himself to you. Respond, therefore, in humility and gentleness and in joy before him. Return home. Glorify God. Praise him for all that you have heard and all that we will see when he returns again in glory. Let's bow our heads and we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we bow before you. Our hearts rejoice. Our spirits are glad that we who were once enemies, rebels, dear devils, disobedient, deceived, you would look on us with mercy. Such love, such humility, that you would leave the glories of heaven to pursue after men and women such as us. May we respond in faith, believing in you, casting our souls upon you, repenting of our sins, knowing that you are the soon coming king. And on the day when you return again, Jesus, our desire is that you find us a people who are so humble in acknowledging of our own sin and saying, as the psalmist would say in Psalm 115, not unto us, not unto us, but unto you, O Lord, be all the glory. For Christ's sake, we pray, Father, that if there are some of our loved ones here who do not know you, they too would find in you salvation. Some may feel so far away from you, not even interested about you. Yet you work in your sovereign power, causing us to will and to do for your good pleasure and for your eternal praise. For Jesus' sake, Father, we pray.
May God's people say amen. Amen. Please join us in the closing hymn, Joy to the World. Amen.